coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Speedway takes the spotlight in the month of May. Can golf help a Westside Indy community rebound? We recap the Vex Robotics World Championship. Trendiana spotlights unique Hoosier beverages. A global cancer center is growing in Indiana. Three Indiana startups get a boost from the Purdue Foundry. We shine a spotlight on the Little 500 and take on the top stories of the week with our partners at the IBJ and our panel of insiders. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business Television Podcast. I'm Andy Ober. It's the month of May, which means all eyes are on Speedway. It's a small town looking to push forward. Town President Vince Noblet and Vice President Gary Rakes joined Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick with more. Vince, I'll start with you. As you look around and you see the continued construction and the activity, what do you think? It's mind-bending. You know, when we started, you could actually shoot a gun down Main Street and not hit anything. There was no activity. And uh, through uh, the consensus of the residents of Speedway, 14,000 residents, you know, we were able to start this project and, and get enough momentum up to where it is today. Yeah. Gary, your, your take on this, because not everyone, not everyone uh, bought in at the beginning, right? That's right. Yeah, surely there were, there were folks that thought Speedway wasn't going to change, there wasn't going to be an opportunity for us to, to be able to get the investors that we have. Uh, but first and foremost, as, as Vince is describing, we've, we've had a lot of, of community involvement. Uh, literally almost a thousand people turned out when we developed our first master plan. And there's been hundreds of people who served on boards and commissions. Uh, our fellow counselors, uh, there's three others that are as active as we are, the Redevelopment Commission. It's, it's been a group effort. Talk about what, what we're seeing here. You can both j chime in on this. There's so much to look at. Um, how would you describe it in terms of the investment, the different, diverse investment too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, we've got everything you know across the street. The 1300 block development. We have uh, residential uh, condos on the second, third floor, retail on the first floor, and that that development all started when we made all this change. You know, we, we had to tear down a few buildings that basically were World War II buildings and uh, and then the investment started to take place, specifically Delara. They were the first major company to put stakes in the ground in Speedway. Yeah. And uh, they've been great. What was the vision? I mean, because it's one thing to have a vision, but to stay with it, to keep with it. What, was, what did you want to create here? We've had the tagline for a few years now, we want it to be more than a day in May, Speedway to be more than a day in May. And it's and it's become that. We, we want it to be a year-round destination for business, for personal, for you know, going to museums, uh, coming to restaurants and, and other uh, retail locations, and, and, it, and it's working. Okay, I mentioned a big number in terms of the investment. Can you put any kind of a number on what the economic impact, kind of the payback is, has been? Well, we, we've invested uh, Upwards, not not quite 100 million dollars, and the return on that's been a half a half a million, or excuse me, a half a billion dollars yeah. in, in investment from others. Yeah. Um, and it's not just been the big companies. We've had plenty of one, two to ten million dollar investors, uh, just like the building behind us. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. PRI is the building uh, behind us. A big win to get them to move this membership office yeah. uh, here. Now, one project a lot of people are interested in is the hotel project, part of the Wilshaw that that has has stalled. But I, I understand there's some. some so kind of some breaking news on that in terms of its future. Yeah, I mean, we've been working on that for several years now, and uh, the, the developer that had the project stumbled, 
and we had to uh, basically move to make changes to make sure that the building gets built. Uh, hotel Equities came through, a uh, major uh, hotel investment firm, and uh, they decided to, you know, they want to be on the corner of 16th and and the Crawfordsville Road, and, and I, we welcome them greatly. And you've got you've got a closing that's uh, we have a scheduled closing at this point is uh, uh, May 26. Okay, so. it's a first class uh, uh, hotel operating company, 220 properties in North America. They fly the Hilton flag, they fly Marriott flags uh, all across country. In terms of the kind of the the vibe, if you will, in downtown Speedway now on Main Street here, and what it's like compared to maybe what it used to be like, a lot of people, a lot of activity. Well, how would you describe it? We've got people who are living on the street. That didn't yeah. happen uh, 15 years ago, and, and until we had the Wilshaw Apartments and, and uh, the condos that are being built. But uh, so people are literally eating breakfast uh, still on Main Street. Uh, we have Charlie Brown's, a, a, yeah. you know, an old uh, old business old that, that continues, and, sure. and, and yeah. Liz and her company do really well. We've got other restaurants that have come along, and so they're here all day long, whether they're working, whether they're living. Uh, visiting whatever it might yeah. be and that was an important vision that you know the, the redevelopment commission basically we wanted to have people live here and work close and be able to play in the same area and so i mean uh, we just wanted to create a unique place on the west side of indianapolis uh, that we could, uh, you know, call home. Very quickly, any crystal ball. You got Roger Penske ownership at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He's a big vision guy. Yeah. What's What's next for the town of Speedway? Roger has been great for the town of Speedway. You know, this is a partnership. We view it as a partnership, and he's been investing in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, you know, along with us investing yeah. in the town, and uh, I think it's part of that private public yeah. uh, investment. And and it continues, as you can hear a lot of noise out here. Oh, yeah, a lot of yeah. that's a sound signs of yeah. progress. Vince Knobla, the president of the Speedway Town Council, Gary Rakes, the vice president. Thank you both. Very Thank much. you. Thank you. Gary. Yeah, I'm back. Just a few miles down the road from Speedway, another West Side community is in transition. It's hoping golf, entertainment, and the White River can spur economic development. Reporter Mary Rachel Redman has the story. Mac 9 Golf and Entertainment is the brainchild of three Hoosiers who simply saw an opportunity to, opportunity to create something special for downtown Indianapolis. And although it may still be under construction, there's no question that $30 million venue will certainly be a game changer and quite literally a change maker for the near southwest side. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> what would you say if I told you you could tee off like Tiger Woods? It went in. <laughs> in the heart of Indianapolis. Well, sort of. Back Nine Golf and Entertainment is a 60,000 square foot mixed use attraction that features everything from climate controlled golf bays to a three story driving range, concert venue, and horses. Well, I'll get to that one in a minute. All of this nestled on the banks of the White River. So this is actually a state-of-the-art uh, golf entertainment facility, and it really is uh, quite advanced for what it is. So it's a radar-based gaming system, and it puts you in half virtual reality and half reality. So you'll strike the ball in reality out of these bays that you see here. They'll fly in the field. Then they're then they're tracked, and much like when you see on the PGA when they have the balls flying in the air, it lays over in your gaming. 
in your video gaming that's inside your bay. Back Nine founder Neil Burnett took me on a tour of the $30 million project that he's been diligently studying and creating a concept for over the last seven years. The reason we chose the site actually was to bring a fourth dimension into Indianapolis and the bring a different uh, event venue in, give it a fourth night for people that come and visit Indianapolis. So one of the things that we learned from like uh, Visit Indy and, and everybody with the town is that basically you have about two to three nights of you know convention time, they find things to do. Well, this brings a, a, a fourth dimension now to them. It brings another way for people to come and entertain themselves, have fun, but also do business here inside the city of Indianapolis. And speaking of Indianapolis, perhaps Burnett and his team's biggest goal? To stretch the city to the near southwest side. It's excitement and it's uh, uh, beginning of a, a transformation really of this whole area and expanding Indianapolis. This brings a fourth venue that we haven't seen since the stadium was built, if you think about it. So you had Victory Field, you had the stadium, and now you have this venue. And this venue also has a little, some added extras in it. have a, a music pavilion, so we're going to be bringing in live entertainment, bands, and you'll be able to have those piped into your bay. If it's a really good band, we can pipe the music in there. But we have outdoor balconies that you can sit at, enjoy the band, or down in the pavilion itself. And so we're trying to add you know, a lot more entertainment dimension. So it's not just golf and entertainment. This is entertainment for everybody. Oh, and before I forget, the horses I mentioned earlier, you probably have seen them before. Uh, they, they are the horses that you see on the circle in downtown Indianapolis. Um, the ownership made it a point at the very beginning of the project not to uh, displace those horses um, and to keep the operation going. What, what does success look like for you, let's say six um, months to a year from now? Six months to a year from now, those bays full of people laughing and having a great time. Really, honestly, that, that's what it is. It's just people enjoying themselves. We need some enjoyment in life, and that's what we aim to provide. The ownership team tells me the plan is to officially open July 1. Looking forward to that. This year's VEX Robotics World Championship was held in Dallas, Texas, but there was plenty of Hoosier flavor. Wani Community Schools Director of Robotics Jake Simons came on the show to talk about how Indiana schools fared in our Ion Education segment. Jake, you're in the uh, the robotics room uh, there at school, right? Yeah, this is our uh, robotics room at Woodview Elementary, one of our many robotics rooms that we have in our district. We're going to talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about how you got that thing started a few years ago. An amazing story, sure. I think. Uh, but first of all, you took ten teams. Uh, from school to the Nationals in Dallas uh, last week. Tell us about the experience and how, how you guys fared. Yeah, first let me just say this respectfully. It's the World Championship. So we're going against 40 different countries and 49 different states are represented there. So many different teams from, from all across the planet. Um, and we had 10 of our teams from Wani Robotics competing at the highest level down in Dallas, Texas last week, which was really, really exciting. That, that is cool. How, how'd it go? You had some, you'd placed pretty well? Yeah, so uh, we had six middle school teams go, and that was uh, they were competing Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And out of our six middle school teams, we had three of them make the division finals, which is the top 20 wow. teams in those division. And then um, 
the next couple days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, our elementary teams competed, and we had three of them make the division finals um, as well. And then two of our teams from Woodview Elementary uh, actually won the highest and second highest judged award that you can win in your division. So wow. that that yeah. entails everything, your engineering notebooks, your driving, your interviews, encompasses everything. So it was a pretty successful trip for Wani Robotics. That is great. Uh, and a world uh, competition, too. Uh, to, to go back to how this started, which you won a mirror award for this from TechPoint, you started this program several years ago. You knew nothing about robotics, were asked to, to start a program. You did it, and in short order, you had a team or a couple of teams competing at the world championships. There were 12 teams there. Uh, I think, what, 10 from China, one from Hong Kong, two from Napanee. Yeah. So six years ago, actually, backtrack to, to 2016, 2017, I was asked to take over our high ability program. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. I knew what, that I didn't want to do what was previously done. And so somebody said, why don't you start a robotics team? And I was like, I, I have no idea what that even means. I didn't know how to build or design or program or anything. Uh, I mean, after all, I am an elementary teacher and I didn't go to school for this. And so I started it and uh, we kind of just made a pact as a team. Hey, we're going to fail and we're going to fall, but we're going to do it together. And uh, we made it to the world championship in our first year. And that's kind of what sold us on it. And then uh, fast forward three years from that 2019 season, uh, we took it to the next level. And uh, our, our team actually from Woodview brought home the world championship top overall organization on the entire planet that year out of 6,000 teams. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jake, we only have about 20, 30 seconds uh, left, but you have lit a fire uh, there uh, in the Napanee area. We've got a summer robotics camp. I know you mentioned you've already got about 150 students signed up for that. So you really have engaged the community, that Amish uh, community in Napanee. Uh, what's the impact in your view going Going to be uh, from this involvement in STEM and, and uh, you know, science, technology, engineering and math? Yeah, I mean, this is relevant. This is relevant to our 21st century workforce. And I think people are finally starting to see, you know, as, as awesome as it would be to be a professional sports star, professional pop star. Um, what's really realistic for a lot of these kids is they could be professional engineers, mechanical engineers, programmers, or the very least problem solvers. And so that's what we're cultivating here at this program. And uh, we're doing it at a, at a very successful rate. Amazing story from northern Indiana, Napanee. Uh, Jake Simons, the director of robotics at Wandy Community Schools. Jake, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on, uh, on what you're doing up there as well. Yes, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. The weather's getting warmer, which means you need to spend some time at the pool with a cold drink. Several Hoosier companies have unique offerings for you. Yelp Director of Community Campaigns Brittany Smith shows us a few in this month's Trendiana segment. First of all, you know, food and beverage entrepreneurs, there are lots of them uh, around uh, the state. I know we're talking uh, drinks this time. Yes. Lots of folks trying some new things. Definitely, both non-alcohol and alcoholic. And actually, just this past year, the top uh, growing sector in the spirits industry was pre-mixed cocktails. And you're definitely seeing that throughout the state. Interesting. Well, you've got a nice uh, trip around the state beginning in Valpo, Valparaiso in northwest Indiana, Root and Revelry Craft Soda. Yeah, and this one is a non-alcoholic option, but it pairs beautifully with spirits. If 
if you want to make it into a cocktail. It is a family-owned business. They're using real fruits to make all of their sodas. So even the coloring that you see in the sodas is actually from the fruit. No artificial sweeteners and all the added type stuff. And they've got really fun flavors like cardamom grape, vanilla mm. orange. You can find them throughout the state at Blooming Foods, for example, in Bloomington, mm-hmm. down to uh, you know Lafayette, all, all over the state to try them. This next one, Mom Water, uh, which started in Ferdinand in southern Indiana. Yes. And I think this is a great example of an entrepreneurial success story, yeah, right? Yeah, I love it. The, the co-owner, Jill, was actually, it stemmed out of her love for uh, you know going into a hotel lobby and you try those fruited waters. She took that. They stemmed it into a business where it is fruit-infused vodkas, uh, no carbonation. You know, you see all those mm-hmm. seltzers right now? They're going on a different path with really creative flavors like lemon blueberry, mango coconut. The branding is really fun. Yeah. And they're actually hoping to expand to more than 14 states just this uh, early summer alone. Yeah, I saw that uh, really expanding. Taking so off. it seems yes. to be getting some traction. Uh, hardwood honey elixirs is in Anderson, right? Yeah, this one, Ross Harding. He actually has uh, bee yards in more mm-hmm. than 26 locations. So yeah. he's using his own honey to make these elixirs. They're great paired with spirits, but again, a non-alcohol option that you can find at specialty stores like Amelia's or Goose the Market. You can also order them online and they come in fun flavors like sage, vanilla, yeah. ginger, and then you pour in some bourbon if you want to do that and makes go. a great yeah, cocktail. That sounds good. And I think we've had Ross on talking about his bees yes. uh, before too. Okay, one more stop and that is in Bloomington, another entrepreneurial, I think, success story, and that's Florida tequila. tequila soda. Right? Yes, Cardinal Spirits is coming out with another great can cocktail. It just uh, released this month. This is actually their fourth can cocktail that mm-hmm. they've released this year. And this one is a tequila paired with their Flora um, liqueur, which is delicious. Mm-hmm. It tastes like a little bit of jasmine, a little bit of elderflower, so a little bit of those floral hints. And it's really fun for a back party or backyard party paired mm-hmm. with tacos. It's, it's a really good one. Great to see Indiana getting in on this uh, yes. craft cocktail. Craze, yeah, and you're sure. seeing so many these businesses grow to other states and representing the Hoosier State. Brittany Smith, as always, thanks for being here. We've got plenty to taste test after this segment, right? Rough job. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you, Gary. Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business Television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. A leading global cancer center is growing its presence in Indiana. MD Anderson's partnership with Community Health could be a difference maker for Hoosiers battling cancer. MD Anderson Medical Director Samit Bhatia spoke with Kylie Valletta in the Business of Health. So this is really all about bringing some of the best resources from one of the biggest cancer centers in the country right here to Indiana. Can you explain at the end of that, at the end of the day, what does that mean for patients here in Indiana? Um, Community Health Network has essentially been the last mile in providing cancer care to our patients here. Ten years ago, uh, through affiliate uh, practice, we we partnered with MD Anderson to bring their standards here. Last month, we went into a partnership mode, which essentially we adopted all their practices, including multidisciplinary care, opened up our doors for more scrutiny to essentially follow all their practices, pathways, but more so importantly, get access to their clinical trials and drugs for our patients over here. Essentially, it is about delivering the best care in the country year and now through a partnership or creating a superhighway to the hospital which is regarded as the number one Mm -hmm. provider of cancer care 
in the country. And you mentioned the access to clinical trials, and it, really what that means is getting access to drugs that really aren't even on the market yet, right? Yes, drugs which are not in the market or drugs which are not FDA approved. And essentially that can offer a huge cost savings to patients because those drugs when non-clinical trials are essentially free. Mm -hmm. So for example, there are drugs which cost almost half a million dollars for a year, and patients who are on those clinical trials can get access to them not only earlier, but also in a very controlled way mm -hmm. where they are watched in. And uh, this can, we believe, result in better outcome. It also keeps the patients at home. Right. They don't have to travel. Exactly. You mentioned this sort of shifts community from being like a nine-county provider to really uh, statewide and even making it a destination for patients in the Midwest. So our underlying contract with MD Anderson uh, allows us uh, access to their pathways in Indiana, Kentucky, and some of the surrounding states. Our hope is that patients in the surrounding areas will be able to access some of their care right here in Indianapolis rather than having to go to Houston. Right. We will partner with your physicians to provide them care right here. And we want to look at this a little bit through a business lens. So we're not going to see new buildings uh, being constructed or anything, but there are, there are important investments taking place uh, internally, right? So there will be some new buildings, but this is more a software upgrade. The hardware will be upgraded, but it's the software. We are going to invest in physicians, programs, processes, clinical trials. A leading example of this has been our phase one clinical trial in which we recruited Dr. Bert O'Neill. And in the first six months, even before this partnership was announced, he arguably became the largest provider of phase one trials in, in the state. And I want to talk about one more thing. We have about 30 seconds left. I think it's interesting, too, that now uh, community doctors are going to have direct access to MD uh, experts at MD Anderson to really consult on cases. Uh, we had that before, but right now they are going to be linked into our individual multi-speciality departments with designated physicians. Mm -hmm. Case in point, Dr. Kantarjan, who's a leading leukemia doctor in the world, participates in our conference and vets pretty much all our care over here. This was unheard of before. That's great. Well, thank you for being on the show today, and congratulations on the new partnership. Thank you. Entrepreneurs with connections to Purdue University are getting a leg up thanks to the Purdue Foundry's Boost Accelerator program. Three startups recently received $25,000 each to help push their products to market. Purdue Foundry Assistant Vice President Bill Arnold and Repro Health CEO Jim Donahue joined us with details. Bill, hey, give us the thumbnail. Uh, the Purdue Foundry uh, has had tremendous impact since it was launched in 2014. Give us the mission, the vision, if you will, of the Foundry. So our whole job is to enable Purdue startups to improve the world. And uh, to that end, you know, we've uh, started about 360 companies uh, in the last seven years, uh, which have raised about $570 million in follow-on funding. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that is tremendous impact. And as we were talking off camera, you said, hey, after seven years, you really want to put your money where your mouth is. So you launched this boost, this accelerator program uh, where you gave three startups twenty five thousand dollars each. The idea behind the, the uh, competition. Well, the idea was really, like you said, uh, Gary, you know, let's put our money where our mouth is. We've had programming for seven years. We've identified a lot of companies. We've helped them get started. The question is, can we help them move forward beyond just getting started? And so we thought, hey, let's get a group of companies that are all connected to Purdue in some way, shape or form that are very early in their life and see if we can move them from potentially investable to investable. Yeah. 
Uh, Jim Donahue, Jim, you're the CEO at Repro Health Technologies based here in Indianapolis. You've got interesting technology allowing farmers uh, to more easily get their cows pregnant. Is that a, is that a good description? Yeah, it, it really is. The, the goal is to improve in vitro fertilization with cows. And right now, the farmer must take their cow to an off-site location. The eggs are collected and then the eggs are shipped out of state to be grown in incubators. They're grown in machines in these petri dishes here, these four-well dishes. We've invented a patented device which essentially has a culture chamber, two of them actually, that are put into this device here. And then this is literally placed in the vagina so of the cow. So we're using the cow as the incubator. Embryos are growing at her temperature, and it allows the farmer to make multiple copies of that one cow. So, for instance, instead of an artificial insemination where they have one cow nine months later, they can produce multiple copies, in, in effect, produce eight cows and freeze some and transfer others. So it really improves the genetics. Um, in many ways, it, it's good for the environment and that they can control the amount of um, cows that are produced and also for food insecurity you know parts of the world don't have the technology that we do in the united states and this simple technology would allow them two billion people who don't have enough food to have that so it's it's really kind of exciting it's novel the foundry's been great uh within the last six months it's just remarkable where, where we've gone and my co-founders, Katie and Michael, and I are, are just really excited to be, be part of this whole process. Yeah, fascinating technology. It will be interesting to see, uh, to watch your company uh, grow. Bill, as we have only about 30 seconds left, but as you look at what's next for the foundry, great companies, exciting companies like this, uh, as you look to the future, your vision for the Purdue Foundry and what's next. More, more of the same. Uh, you know, the reality is that we want to try to produce 40 or 50 companies a year um, into the into the Indiana ecosystem. And uh, you know, that's what we've historically done. And uh, we, we intend to keep uh, on that track. All right. Bill Arnold is the assistant vice president, of the Purdue Foundry. Jim Donahue, the CEO at Repro Health uh, Technologies. Very interesting program. And Jim, good luck with uh, your company as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Have a great day. OK, thanks, Gary. Racing in Indiana stretches far beyond the hallowed grounds at 16th and Georgetown. The Little 500 at the Anderson Speedway has a 74-year history. President Rick Dawson spoke with Bill Benner on Inside Indiana Sports. First of all, how long have you been the owner of the Anderson Speedway? This is my 26th season, Bill. Doesn't, it seems like yesterday. And, and uh, let's talk about the upcoming, again, you've been around for a long time, the 74th running of the Little 500, first one in 1948, a remarkable uh, accomplishment, and you expect a, a sellout. We do, again, it's, it's become a very popular race. It always has been for the first 74 years. It's evolved. Uh, it's become a destination uh, for the city of Anderson and, and also for the racetrack. It's just, there's no other race like it in the world. It's a sprint car race, first of all, with push trucks during the race, which, is, which you don't see anywhere. And you got 33 cars, 11 rows deep on a quarter mile high bank. It's the most exciting start you'll ever see in a, in a motor car race. Uh, how did you snag uh, Ryan Newman? Actually, Ryan, I think, kind of snagged us. We, I think it's been on his bucket list ever since he was a little kid. Him and his father used to come down and watch the little 500. And then about, it's been probably 20 years ago, he won the uh, Cheetos 50, which we used to run the Wednesday before the little 500 in a USAC midget race. And since he's got a little extra time on his hands to diversify his racing career, he's decided he wanted to come and, and give the little 
Lucas Oil, a little 500 a shot. That's, that's incredible. The, uh, uh, this will be one of 23 races that take place at the Anderson Speedway. Mm -hmm. But you're telling me before we went on the air, the, the list of drivers who have competed there. A.J. Foyt won the very first midget race back in 1948? Uh, no, it was 19, uh, if A.J. hears you say that, he's going to whoop you. But <laughs> I think it was like 1961, he okay. won the first USAC midget race at Anderson <laughs> Speedway, yeah. Uh, but Johnny Rutherford, Parnelli Jones, Daryl Waltrip, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Stewart, Kyle, I mean, what a list of uh, drivers that have competed there. They've all, they've all raced at Anderson Speedway. Actually, I have a picture in my office of, of a very young Chase Elliott and, uh, and Ryan Blaney uh, getting ready to run the Redbud 400 that year. So it, it's, a, it's a proving ground, and they'll all tell you if you can conquer Anderson Speedway, you can pretty much conquer them all. You're going to have, uh, uh, you mentioned also, fans of both races. I mean, you get people that are yeah. coming to Anderson on Saturday night that will be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Sunday morning. That, that's, a, that's another great thing about this. I mean, I, I love the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I grew up there, had tickets every year to go to that race, and, and a lot of our friends come come in and our campgrounds will be packed and they come in early in the week and spend the week with us and see the town see the see indiana and then they uh watch the little 500 and turn right around Sunday morning, get up and drive down to 16th Street to watch the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, $25,000 to the winner, $136,000 total purse. I mean, this is a big deal for the sprint car crowd. It is. That's a, that's a huge purse for, for sprint car racers. And uh, actually, the starting starting amount is what a lot of features pay every night. So it's, it's, a, it's on the want list for a lot of race car drivers. Tickets still available? Tickets are still available by uh, calling the, the ticket office. You can get all the information on our website, AndersonSpeedway.com. Facebook, Twitter, all the social media, we're there. We look forward to seeing everybody. Rick Dawson, the president and owner of the Anderson Speedway. Little 500, big 500. What a weekend we have coming up. The push to bring more diversity into IndyCar, the debate over the transgender athlete bill, and Indianapolis's plan to move its arts and culture scene forward. Leslie Weidenbenner with our partners at the IBJ joined us to talk about what her team is working on. Lots of change at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway since the acquisition by Roger Penske. Uh, among those changes, a real focus on diversity when it comes to the series, when it comes to the fan base, and that, uh, that is really continuing. There's no doubt that IndyCar fans have traditionally been a pretty white audience, very male dominated, but increasingly the Speedway is trying to encourage more people of color. And, you know, they're really focusing on those uh, people who live pretty close to the Speedway, maybe lived in Indianapolis their whole lives and have never come out to the track. And they're really trying to welcome in a new group. And in, the, in addition, they're supporting race teams owned by women, and people of color, and in addition, looking for vendors who are people of color as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, focus on the state house too this week. A, a so-called technical corrections day, as this transgender athlete bill uh, looks to perhaps uh, uh, be vetoed. Let's. Uh, what, what's the status on that? So this is the legislation that would prohibit youth sports. So this is high school kids and younger. It's not college kids. Right. It would prohibit transgender girls from participating in girls sports. And Governor Holcomb vetoed that bill, but the legislature is going to use what it calls a technical corrections day. 
and they're expected to override that veto pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting to watch That's that. happening on Tuesday. On Tuesday in the week ahead. Uh, one more, lots of development uh, throughout Hamilton, uh, Hamilton County, including Noblesville, and uh, a big apartment complex uh, there is, uh, is in the works. Yeah, this is uh, at the village at Federal Hill. It's west of the of the river there downtown. This is a development that will eventually include some 200 apartments. But so right now, the Noblesville has broken ground uh, on a $50 million, 135 square foot facility that will include 118 apartments. So big changes happening there. Lots of great stories, as always, in uh, this week's IBJ. Leslie Weidenbenner, thanks, as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Gary. And finally this week, our insiders take on the top business stories in Indiana. This week's panel includes Ice Miller LLP partner Melissa Prophet, Katz Corin Cunningham attorney Norris Cunningham, and Visit Indy Senior Vice President Chris Gall. Melissa, the Speedway, a lot of attention going to be there this weekend and next. The town of Speedway has gone through an amazing transformation. $500 million plus in private and public investment is really transformed. I remember 15 plus years ago, not a lot of people thought that plan was going to work, but it it seems to have. Yeah, I think it's incredibly um, exciting. And I've heard, keep hearing about the Penske perfectionism, and I think it's hit the town of Speedway. Yeah. Um, they've got the Founders Square development, yeah. which is going to bring in a tremendous amount of jobs to yeah. a, a bunch of individuals, as well as a lot of economic development. Yeah. They've got Hampton Inn with a mm-hmm. conference center, restaurants, apartments medical buildings, et cetera, 25 acres. And the city's working with real estate developers to make that an area that takes you beyond the month of May, beyond the race. And um, I think equally exciting is what Allison Transmission's doing um, with their Innovation Center. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's an amazing facility where they're understanding, and this is wonderful, they're not only staying here with their headquarters, but they're in front and they understand yeah. the electric vehicles here to stay. Yeah. And they're heading up that innovation and they're creating a, a talent center and a testing center yeah. that's going to be an attraction for all suppliers and, and to put them at the top of their industry. Yeah. All that's going on all in that same area. And um, it's, it's transforming. Yeah, transforming, I think, is a good word. Melissa mentioned more than a race, uh, Norris. Indiana, Indianapolis wants to be more than a kind of a Midwestern, uh, you know, U.S. city. It wants to be a global city. Global right. Economic Summit, Indiana Economic Development Corporation putting on for the first time next week. It had to cap registrations at 800. This is going to be a big event. A huge event. And, you know, it's clear that we have a place Indiana does in the global uh, economy, right? But this event, the first of its kind, really um, started to refine that and focus, I, I think, in, in a way that is going to be very, very helpful to, to stimulating even more growth and 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 um, really sort of getting the Indiana name out there, if you yeah. will, and the brand out there globally. On a global so, stage, 24 yes. ambassadors, I think, a uh, number of big-time CEOs. going to be a high-profile event. If you're going to bring visitors to the state of Indiana and the capital city, make it in May. So yeah. kudos to the governor mm-hmm. and IEDC for launching this and putting it in place. I think 25 different countries represented, and it's also the quality of these visitors not necessarily the quantity, and uh, they'll inevitably take our message back and and hopefully bounce back as uh, economic development agents. Give us a quick update on convention business bouncing back, if you will. Yeah, great, great question. We're about 90% recovered right now as a city, and we hope by the end of 2022, creeping into 2023, we'll be 100% 100%, uh, recovered. So we're we're leading the nation, if you will, as as you look at uh, tourism recovery. Yeah, Uh, quality of life, quality of place, certainly big 
issues uh, in economic development here in Indiana and around the country. Three Indiana communities made the best places to live uh, list. Uh, Indianapolis, Metro Indianapolis, uh, Fort Wayne, South Bend. Melissa, what do you take away from that? Well, I think this, I think as telling as the rankings are, the number of slots that they rose. So um, mm. Fort Wayne went up 25 slots, I believe, and um, Indy went up three. Uh, so I think it's significant that we're moving. And I also think this says a lot about what we're going to look like post-COVID um, because people are looking for places to live because they can work wherever they want mm -hmm. to. Um, and they're focusing on livability, affordability. And post-COVID, those Midwestern approaches to livability and affordability are really, really attractive. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to bring and continue to bring additional talent. Yeah, and I've got to add, Gary, that, that um, I'm particularly pleased for Fort Wayne and for South Bend. Mm -hmm. Right, because they've undergone a lot of revitalization to get there mm -hmm. uh, in Fort Wayne, the river area, and, and electric works, and and and, uh, and so on. So, um, for for those um, cities to have really sort of bounced back from. Um, from yeah. where things seemed 20, 25 years ago really is amazing. Yeah, hey, connectivity is um, uh, an important issue too when it comes mm -hmm. to quality of life and where people want to live, work remotely. Uh, interesting, big investment, R Meridium, a uh, Paris-based uh, company, $50 million investment, investment for high-speed internet. Yeah, I, I think it's a great thing. Um, digital equity, uh, mm -hmm. as, it's, as it's now known, um, it really is a, a, a passion of mine because there's such a divide, huge gap between mm -hmm. urban and and, and rural access to broadband. And, and this is an opportunity to start bridging that gap. There's about $3 billion in, in, in um, the infrastructure bill that was signed, the national infrastructure bill that was signed to help in that regard. And now you have Bloomington, um, uh, smaller municipalities focusing on closing that gap as much as possible. This is great news. Yeah. We, we also realized post-COVID the importance of this connectivity with regard to education, mm. with regard to healthcare, mm -hmm. um, with regard to just general connectivity. And the fact that the city is thinking ahead 20, 30 years, which how this is laid out and structured, they are thinking 20 and 30 years ahead mm -hmm. as to how to set this up now with a single internet service provider mm -hmm. and then going to free market mm -hmm. system once they've stabilized um, and then making sure that they've got low rates for low income rural areas. Um, it's a perfect place for this to happen with Indiana University with all the students who need mm -hmm. access to education, but then it's rural. Yeah. And so um, I think it's wonderful and, and I understand yeah. it's going to be replicated elsewhere in Indiana. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another big story this week, New Fields names a new CEO. Uh, certainly the uh, organization went through a very difficult period with the resignation of former CEO Charles Venable. The new CEO, the first African-American to lead uh, the museum, first woman uh, as well, uh, Colette Pierce Burnett. Uh, full disclosure, Chris, you're on the board there, but you had a chance to meet her yesterday. Uh, had a chance, a delight energetic, passionate, everything that Newfields needs and is deserving of at this point. It's been a hard 14 months and a 14, 14 months. She's the right person. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the idea that she's moving, she and her husband, from Austin right. to Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And you have, to, you have to have hope there. And Newfields is, is working on new bridges and, and new connections. And she's the perfect person at this time. All right. And with that, we'll put a wrap on the insiders. Uh, Chris Gall, Melissa Prophet, and also Norris Cunningham. That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments, as well as the top business news from throughout the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.